Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time, it's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, and we're just going to talk about it. Today, I have some family members here, uh, and they are talking about a movie, no surprise, but this is the first time watch for both of them. Um, Today, I have my niece, Avery Irish, and my sister, Jessica Irish, here to talk about one of my favorite movies. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. So, Avery, I know um, growing up with me as an uncle, you've had um, you've experienced quite a few movies like this. Uh, You've seen a lot of stuff that kids your age probably haven't seen, but you like the spooky stuff and you like uh, normal kid stuff. You like a variety of things, which is fantastic. But um, what are some of your favorite movies? Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I like Trolls. Movies like that. Sweet. Um, and yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas was like one of your sort of first spooky movies that you've seen. And uh, you really, really enjoy it. And the producer and creator of that movie directed the movie we're going to talk about today. And of course, growing up with uh, Jessica, we... I would say did not have a whole lot of horror growing up, um, but, you know, our older brother Jake sort of was into it with his friends and I got into it and um, not saying this is necessarily horror. It could be argued that it's more like of a comedy than anything, but um, these movies are sort of a gateway, I would say. And it's interesting watching you like, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is stop motion. It's it's a musical. It has dark themes, but it's still, you know. It's like this is this is a pretty big step up. So did this like did this movie scare you at all? No. No? No. You think it was pretty funny? Yeah, some bits were funny. Okay, so today, um, if you've read the topic when you hit play, we're gonna talk about Tim Burton's Beetlejuice. From the director of Pee-Wee's Big Adventure. Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. So they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah! You don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. You want somebody out of the house? I want to get somebody out of your house. But the fun has just begun. It's showtime. Learn to throw your voice, pull your friends, fun and party. Not bad. This is amazing. You want a cigarette? Oh, no, thank you. He's guaranteed to put some life Attention, King in your afterlife. Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice. I'm the ghost with the most, babe. Okay, so Beetlejuice was released March 30th, 1988. So I was three. Avery was non-existent. Not even close. How old would you have been in 88? Five. Okay, so not something that we saw when it came out. I saw it much later in life. Um, I probably saw it maybe middle school, I would say, probably, and probably on TV. Like, it wasn't something that our family would have rented and watched. I don't know. Maybe. I I actually, um, 
thought that maybe when I watched it, I would bring bring back memories. I thought there's no way I hadn't seen it. Right. No, I hadn't. Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> well, Beetlejuice. I mean, Tim Burton has this like up until recently where he's sort of just redoing old properties or adaptations. Like he had this thing where he created these characters that are huge in pop culture. I mean, you don't have you, people haven't seen Nightmare Before Christmas, but they know Jack and Sally. Right. Um, Edward Scissorhands is like a, everybody you've never seen. You know, you don't have to see the movie to know that character. There's no other character like that, um, Beetlejuice. I mean, he didn't create Pee Wee, but he directed the first Pee Wee movie. So he has a lot of iconic uh, characters under his belt. Um, uh, this was written by Michael McDowell, Larry Wilson and Warren Scarin. Directed by Tim Burton. Uh, cinematography by Thomas Ackerman. I always feel like I have to list the cinematographer in Tim Burton's movies because he has such a distinct look that, uh, you know, they should get credit. And then, of course, music, like most of Tim Burton's uh, movies, is done by Danny Elfman, who right. wrote all the music for Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, he, he not, which he was uh, Oingo Boingo's front man. He was like, a, that's an 80s band for those who are, who are um, younger but uh, Oingo Boingo was a big band in the 80s. And then their singer, Danny Elfman, uh, became a instrumentalist. He became a composer, thanks to Tim Burton, who loved Oingo Boingo and said, hey, have you ever composed music for movies? He asked him for, I think, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Decided to do it. And now that's what he does for a living. He's one of the most infamous composers ever. I think we heard about that in a documentary we watched. It was on probably Disney+. that, yeah. Maybe we did. Yeah, that um, that or no, I don't. I was thinking movies that made us, but no, it was. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're I think right. it was on Disney Plus. We watched a documentary. I think it was about Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, and, and they, they were talking about it. Yeah, yeah they Elfman. interviewed Danny Elfman. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like when some of these guys come from the music world, like of pop music, where he sang and did that, and then now you know people think of him as a composer first. Um, but what a great career, thanks to Tim Burton just suggesting that he did, he, he did a score for that movie. Uh, so we have a very young Alec Baldwin playing Adam, uh, Gina Davis as Barbara, Michael Keaton as mm -hmm. Beetlejuice, Winona Ryder, another, she was like 17 in this, uh, as Lydia, Catherine O'Hara as Delia, Jeffrey Jones as Charles, Glenn Shaddix as Otho, and Annie McEnroe as Jane Butterfield. Of course, we have others, but those are sort of our main cast. Um, this won a uh, Oscar for Best Makeup, V. Neal won. So, you know, not that surprising, especially when you look at that, like, waiting room scene. You can see that, you know, <laughs> yes. back then there wasn't CGI, you know. And, of course, makeup and special effects are different things. But, like, you see the stop motion where, like, the Beetlejuice, you know, snake and that kind of stuff. A little outdated now, but at the time it was pretty groundbreaking. Um, it had a $15 million budget, uh, made $8 million on its opening weekend, and overall the worldwide gross was 74.2 million. So wow. pretty amazing how much money it made. And then pretty crazy to think that we never got a sequel. Like every year it's like Tim Burton's going to do the sequel, but we haven't seen it. I don't know why for a movie so big in pop culture, but then again, Tim Burton isn't known for, we don't have Edward Scissorhands too. You know, he, uh, he, he has he done any sequels? I don't th Batman. Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah, did yeah Batman yeah. and uh, Batman returns, I yeah. believe. Um, but it's, it's funny, yeah, because it seems like once he hit Batman, it was like most of his movies were adaptations of something that existed before. And and we think about like Tim Burton, his creative mind, he created Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice. He didn't really create them. They were screenplays that were brought to him. I love Tim Burton, but I think he gets a little 
too much credit for some of this stuff because, like I said, Pee Wee was already created by Paul Rubens. Right. Um, you know, obviously Batman was Batman before he was born. Um, Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, both written by someone else. So he's not necessarily a writer, but he has a visual aesthetic that, you know, he's known for. And he is a good director, but uh, he didn't even direct Nightmare Before Christmas. A lot of people think he did he because it's, it. yeah, because it says Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, but he didn't have the time to direct that one. And uh, he, you know, and he's done some great stuff. Like, what do you like, uh, Frank and Weenie? Yes, I love that one too. Uh, that to me, that's like one of his newer ones that I really, really love. Um, Corpse Bride. Yes, and yeah. he actually did direct that one. He wrote and directed that one, so I think that's one that he should get credit for. Um, but yeah, he's the newer stuff. Um, it's hit or miss, but you know, I'll always watch his stuff. Just visually, it's awesome. I didn't love Dumbo. Um, did you guys see the new Dumbo? No. No. It's. I mean, like I said, it feels like now he's sort of stuck in this rut. And, of course, he's getting paid millions of dollars to do it. So who's going to stop him? But it's like, hey, we have Dumbo. What if Tim Burton did it? We have and now he's doing Adam's Family for Netflix. Like a series? He's doing a series based on Wednesday Adams. Yeah. Oh, which you'll, you'll like. I think maybe I knew that, but that's your favorite person. from. Yeah, Wednesday Adams is my favorite from um, the Adams Family. But doesn't it sort of like feel like almost... He- he needs to come. Why is it he doing something new? Right. New or like, I mean, you think of Adam's family. It's like, who should we have do it? Well, Tim Burton is like the easiest yeah. choice. And it's yeah. almost the easiest thing for him to do. But who's if, if someone gives me a, a billion dollars to do the easiest job in the world? And sure, like he can't really screw up Adam's family. It's Tim Burton. Like Dumbo that. seems weird, though. Yeah, and it's more, I mean, he did, like, Big Fish, which is sort of a similar type of, like, and I love that movie. That was something, it was based on a book, but it was, like, at least something new for Tim Burton. Of course, he's also one of those directors that puts the same actors and everything. This, I was going to say Michael Keaton was Batman, right? Right, yeah. And, and this and is, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I was going to say, that's one of the few. Like, he put his, I think, his ex-wife now um, in, like, everything. He, I mean, Johnny Depp, you know, was oh, yeah. in, in, in Willy Wonka and, and Sweeney Todd and just about everything he did. But um, I just love this early work because he hadn't quite gotten to this, like stuck in a groove yet, but you know, it's great. But uh, uh, so the story is pretty simple. After Barbara and Adam Maitland die in a car accident, they find themselves stuck haunting their country residents, unable to leave the house. When the unbearable Dietzes and teen daughters, Lydia buy the home, the Maitlands attempt to scare them away without success. Their efforts attract Beetlejuice, a rambunctious spirit, whose help quickly becomes dangerous for the Maitlands and innocent Lydia. Um, so Avery, right out of the bat, I want to know, did you like this movie? Yes, I did. Okay, and Jessica, what do you think? I liked it. Um, a little bit slow for me. Yeah? But I did like it, yeah. So you said, like, had, had you seen anything about Beetlejuice outside of maybe, like, him pop up in a commercial or something? Like, I, haven't even, I hadn't even seen him pop up in a commercial. Okay. And you, obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. a child of the 80s, he's sort of just part of our pop culture, whether right. you've seen the movie or right. not. Um, and it's weird because it's like everything old is new again. So he's mm-hmm. sort of back. What We're going to Halloween Horror Nights in a few days, and um, they have a Beetlejuice house there, and the merchandise is everywhere. And uh, You can get, in, well, actually just in the UK, you yeah. can go to Build-A-Bear. And get um, Beetlejuice as a Build-A-Bear now. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, he has like a very distinct look with the stripes. And the crazy hair. Um, and of course, you know, every Halloween you go out and you see three or four people dressed right. as Beetlejuice still in the movies, you know, from 88. It's it's uh, and it's, you know, over 30 years old now. So 
it, it has a obvious uh, connection to pop culture. But um, so we start off and we have like Adam and Barbara. Like I said, they had their dream home. And it's like, this is a pretty normal story. But of course, very Tim Burton-esque where this house is like on the coast and it's out by its own. And It was actually, it was sh- I had to look up to see where it was filmed because Andrew um, was actually pretty, he wanted to know. And it was filmed in East Corinth, Vermont. That's interesting. Yes. The house was a very like unique shape. Too. Right, and that's that's something that very Tim Burton esque. Like you couldn't just have a normal house. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I'd read, and we'll get to the trivia a little bit later. But I think I read that they basically like found the setting first, and then built this as a set. The house as a set on that spot, just basically brought this house and boom, plant it right there. You know, very because that obviously a house. Tim Burton houses are very different than real life houses. I mean, Edward right. Scissorhands, that whole suburban area was like that, but he painted them those pastel colors to give them that look. Uh, and they're driving to the hardware store for supplies for their house. They swerve a very cute dog, avoid hitting the dog, um, and drive off a covered bridge. Yes. And they wake up and they're back home and it's like they're wet and they don't know what happened. Um, did you get right away that they were dead or did, did you have to like watch a little bit longer to realize? When, um... When Barbara mentioned that she thought that they were dead, then I realized, like, they are dead. Yeah. It's it's sort of a humorous look at a very sort of uh, serious situation. I mean, I guess that's sort of what Tim Burton is known for. It's almost like a dark comedy, but it's like they died in a car wreck, and here we are, like, sort of laughing about it. You know, it's light, but uh, it's also a heavy topic, and... We won't go down the road of like the afterlife, but I think this is an interesting take on that. Like, you know, a lot of in our minds, a lot of times like we die, we go to heaven. Well, what if we what if this is what happened? You know, we get this handbook and we have to read the rules and be very careful. And there's a waiting room and it's just like another it's just like life on Earth. But it's a little bit different where there's. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, a bit uh, stressful and, and things aren't as picture perfect as people assume. And there's no like really heaven or hell. It's just you're you just move on to this afterlife. And I don't know. I've always I think as I got older, like when I watched this as a kid, I didn't I, that whole thing sort of went over my head. I think I definitely looked at it a little bit different than Avery, too. Like um, we rewatched it again this morning and I'm like, why didn't they just the windows were down? Why didn't they just swim out of yeah. the windows? Yeah, um, like, why don't you just swim out the windows? The <laughs> then windows we wouldn't have open. the movie. But yeah, um, but then. I also wonder why they ended up back at their house. You know, why? I don't know why I questioned that, but, you know, they died in this yeah. river or whatever why it is. Why don't they end up, like, outside and, like, they can't live, like, it's like, like you're, they can't leave that area? You're almost like, I don't know if maybe it's uh, assuming, like, your version of heaven would be, like, like they were they had just rebuilt this house. It's perfect for them. They loved it. Maybe that was, like, their almost, like, gift, like, Okay, you, you you have to live out this life, but you can at least live it in this home that you re- renovated. Of course, that you could argue that well, obviously it's going to be sold and someone else is going to redo yeah. it. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, they they go up to the fireplace and they put their hands up and that's what, sort of when she realizes they might be dead because her yeah. hand catches on fire and it didn't hurt and they blow it out like birthday candles. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's sort of when we realize like, oh, they actually did die. Um, they try to leave the house. And there's this giant, it's like a desert, and there's this giant sandworm, which yeah. Nikki has tattooed on her arm. It's one of those uh, characters that, yeah. that people... Such a, such a weird transition, like, oh, to yeah. jump right into something, like, 
so different. Well, we know, you know, it's interesting because like you saw Nightmare Before Christmas, like you know, sort of know what to expect in a Tim Burton movie where like, I wonder if audiences in 88, like his only movie before that was Pee Wee, which is not at all like, it's probably his, like it has dark stuff in it, but it's not like his typical Tim Burton stuff. So now going back and watching it, you know, that's not that surprising, but at the time it was probably like this movie went from like sort of just some people, you know, hanging out at their house to a whole different, there's a sandworm, you know, it's crazy. It is. It's really, yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, and then they realize they've been gone for two hours uh, when they step yeah. out of that. So time, time sort yeah. of is is different in this world. Yeah. And this is where they find the handbook for the recently deceased, which is a pretty port- important part of this yeah. this story. Uh, I think it's interesting that you know, in life and death, we find this. It's like they they still have instruction booklets. You know, now we would probably have an app or something where you, yeah. you'd scroll through. But it's it's a, it to me it almost is like a play on like our health insurance. Like people don't understand. I mean, you work in billing, so right. it's like you know you understand. It's like no one wants to read through all this stuff to figure out how to how to settle how to put in a claim for their health insurance. Figure out <laughs> all that stuff. It's like that's sort of like the afterlife version of that. You know, I think I would be like Barbara. She seemed to just like. I don't understand any of this. Yeah. I don't, I can't, I can't make sense of this. I yeah. can't, like, it's overwhelming and it's just like, yeah. nope, nope, nope. Can't, yeah. can't do it. Yeah. And yeah, there, there's overwhelmed. It's too complicated. And it is sort of frustrating, like, watching it because it's like, you know what's coming up. It's like, if you just read through it and follow the directions, this would, all this movie would not have happened, but then we wouldn't get to meet Beetlejuice and, and right. see the afterlife, you know? But uh, this is when they're, they realize their house has been sold. Uh, and Catherine O'Hare, who's Delia, is sort of like a drama queen. We, we sort I don't. Of. Yeah. I love Catherine O'Hare. Yeah, me too. She's she's uh, really really underrated. I mean, she has like some people now, like young people know her from Schitt's Creek. Um, right. We knew oh, her. I love her we knew her show. from like Home Alone. Yep. Uh, you know, people yeah. before us knew her from from this, and and she was even like in like a sketch comedy group. I mean. Right. She's Early been on. around forever, and she's criminally underrated. She, um, not just a great actress, but really, really funny. She knows her timing. Oh, she is so funny. And we uh, we talked a lot about her uh, fashion in yeah. this show. And it, to me, like, related to Schitt's Creek, you know, his, her fashion in that show is, like, over the top. You've seen a few of those clips. But yeah. we made a few notes even when we were yeah. watching about her fashion in this movie yeah. just being over the top. We're pretty sure she was wearing like a long yeah, like a glove tied to her headband. It looked there's a scene there. I think they're eating their Chinese food maybe. Yeah. Their first dinner at their that new take house. Out. And it looks yeah. like she's got a and, long glove tied. Yeah, it looks like she has like a glove tied to her black headband, a black glove tied to a black headband. There was another um outfit of yours she liked and yeah. we were uh, there in the kitchen. Her outfit, it looked like she had a shirt on and then she had a sweater for pants held up by suspenders. I think she did because <laughs> I, had read, I had read in the, uh, the like, on IMDb it has, you know, the trivia and it said, like, the um, person who did the costuming stuff, like, would come up with crazy stuff like that. It's like, back then, I think, like, the... The classism was even more like crazy because it was like oh, yeah. we're coming right out of Reagan and it was like, you know, the elite upper class. It's almost like a we're almost doing it to a parody level where it's right. like, you know, rich people wear sweatpants, is, you know, or sweater as sweatpants or as pants or whatever. It's like, you know, and then we have the Maitlands who are just 
very, very simple. Oh, and, my gosh, you know, yeah. And poor, poor Gina Davis has to wear that ugly dress the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Poor thing. And Alec Baldwin in, like, the plain black and white um, flannel with the khakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I think he plays well with that because it's like he finds the most ordinary looking safe people and they have to try to figure out how to scare these new homeowners oh, out of yeah. the house. So yeah. it's sort of this juxtaposition, juxtaposition. I don't know how to, how to say that, but um, they come up with this idea. They want to scare the new homeowner homeowners out um, so that they can live there by themselves and so that they don't remodel the house. Um, and I think the first time they try to scare um, they put sheets. Well, I think that one is that the first one, or is it? I think when they open the closet, the first one was Lydia was hanging by a noose, right in the closet. Barbara, Barbara, yeah, sorry, Lydia is uh, the daughter, but uh, Barbara, yeah, when they open the closet, she's hanging from a noose. Uh, They try several things. He tries like without his head, you know, at and they realize that they can't see them. Yeah. And that's when they he doesn't have his head and he tries to run up the stairs. Yeah, he can't, yeah. See. He can't see. And he brushes past him and they felt yeah. felt it, but but yeah, they can't see him. Um, and this is when they're sort of frustrated and they're looking back through the book and an ad for this character named Beetlejuice pops out. But it, did you notice when the ad pops out? It's spelled B E T E L G E U S E. Yes. And um, this will probably pop back up in the trivia later, but. This is because that character was named after like a constellation in the stars. So it's like, you know, a group of stars is actually Beetlejuice, but spelled like that. When they made the movie, uh, came time to start promoting and stuff. They thought, oh, we should change it to B-E-E, you know, like Beetlejuice, um, because they didn't think people know how to pronounce it if it was spelled like that. So I wouldn't. Uh, so it's sort of interesting because sometimes in the in in the movie it's spelled that way, but the title's the other way. It's like yeah, we talked about that this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is when we realize that Lydia, the daughter, the goth daughter played by Winona Ryder, can actually see them because she's outside photographing her mom, who's been trapped by one of her very big sculptures, and she looks up <laughs> yeah. into the attic and she sees um, Adam and Barbara, and she's like, you know there's someone in the house well she's into luckily what she say i'm into um all things like dark and uh spooky or so yeah, she, she has some that. kind of line i know that's people are listening to this and yelling at it at their computer because it's uh one of the most famous lines from this movie but is it i what, too um, am um i wrote my whole life is one big dark room <laughs> yeah when her dad says he'd build yeah. her a dark room yeah she has yeah. a lot of good one-liners she probably has the best <laughs> lines in the movie and uh you know she she sort of became beloved for this movie and she's gone on to do a lot of great things. Uh, I really do like her. It, it's weird to see her like she's supposed to be playing, I think, like 13 or 14, but she's actually like 17. But in this in this type of movie, Tim Burton movies, like all that stuff sort of irrelevant because it's in a, its own world. Right. Know? Right. Um, this is when they're upstairs and the uh, TV turns on and there's a Beetlejuice mm-hmm. ad. And that's the first time we actually get a glimpse at Beetlejuice. Not in person, but he's on a TV ad and he's like a cowboy, I he's think. A cowboy. Yeah, he's dressed up like a cowboy. And he's like, we don't, I, I don't think the first time I watched it, I realized, but he's actually in their model of their like town. Yeah. He's in the commercial. He's and in that. I didn't realize that in the commercial, but then like when they went into it. Right. Then I realized, like, oh, that's his model. He reminded instantly reminded me of um, Maurice. Oh yeah, from Little Monsters. Right when um, I first saw him. Oh yeah, and, and those are from about the same time period. Yeah. It's like we don't have things like that anymore. Right. You know, it's, it's and of course both of them were 
wildly inappropriate for <laughs> movies that are like PG or PG-13 yes. um, and much darker than I remember watching it as a kid. You know, of course, stuff goes over your head, but um, they're reading through the book and they, they're they looking for help. And it's like, in case of emergencies, you can draw a door yeah. and chalk and go through. And this is where one of my favorite scenes was when they draw that and they get in and we see sort of the underworld. Yeah. Um, and that's the waiting room scene where we have a guy mm-hmm. with like a shrunken head, a woman who is sawed in half, um, a guy then, who's like smoking. Yeah. And then the, one of the guys I thought was like, he was all red and you could see like two sides of a bone mm-hmm. and his neck. And I was like, he probably swallowed a bone. Right. And, and choked. Well, see, I think as a kid, I didn't, I didn't put two and two together. that This is like a waiting room for people who just died. Like I, I sort of got it, but I'm like, we're seeing how they died. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the guy is like crispy and black. He, okay. he smoked himself to death. Uh, yeah. You know, the girl sawed in half was maybe a magician's assistant, you know, yeah. and it, it went wrong. The guy really that cool. comes and gets him. Clearly, had gotten run over or something. Well, that's something that will come up in trivia later because that's something I learned this this watch. There's much darker and deeper reasoning to some of these characters. Um, But it was interesting. Like last year when we went to Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando, they had um, a whole store dedicated to Beetlejuice that they just set up for Halloween time, and they had the waiting room at the store for people to wait because because of social distancing, they only allowed like a dozen people in at a time. So you go in and they had the girl's legs still sitting on the bench. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And and it's like, I've seen this several times, but every time I go back, it's like, you know, this, this movie, it's like that waiting room scene. There's so much to see. Yeah. It's like, you don't notice little things all over the place. The receptionist, she's like, uh, very sort of rude and sarcastic, but you know, she's like a blue genie looking. Yeah. She's very pretty. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, that's one of my favorites. They get assigned a, a caseworker, Juno, um, who warns them not to ask for Beetlejuice's help. And I guess I will say, uh, because we were introduced to Juno, what uh, um, in the trivia we'll go a little bit deeper into it. But I realized that this time around that the social workers, the reason they're social workers is because they are suicide victims. OK, we will, Avery did wonder about the um, hole in her neck. So um, the guy who got run over jumped in front of a car. He's flat. So okay. if you kill yourself, you're assigned as a social worker, which is really dark. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, a lot of people, religious people think that suicide, you know, you go to hell for that. It's a selfish act. But um, in this, they sort of play it off as like, what's worse than hell being a social worker? <laughs> <laughs> not, they're not wrong. <laughs> uh, I, know, the or, job I couldn't do. Right. Um, you know, and they she warns them not to ask for Beetlejuice's help. And she's one of like the most normal people in this uh, room. She sort of has like a like a beehive haircut mm-hmm. and very uh, I think she's smoking the whole time. She but is. but she's she she's uh, very nice and straightforward. With them. She takes them down to like a room that's their house remodeled. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they like ask, how long are we waiting there? And then she's like three months. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Wow. But it's also like, you know, and this is an adult joke that you'll learn when you get to the age that the DMV is like the slowest place in the world. So I'm thinking like this waiting room is sort of like that, where it's like like the sloth in Zootopia. Yeah. I mean, that's the same type of joke where where it's like, you know, these. But I I sort of like that. It's like in the afterlife, three months go by really fast. Right. Where it's like, you know, maybe that's one of the advantages. So it's not all bad. So I guess that's probably why they were able to get so much of the house done when they go back and it's different. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and Lydia finally um, 
goes upstairs, gets into the attic and meets the Maitlands. Um, they talk and she realizes that she can see dead people. Um, and she wants, they talk to her to try to help, like get help for scaring her parents. Right. She doesn't like the house. She doesn't like her parents. Uh, she doesn't like being there, but she, I mean, finally she, she sees some people she likes, which are ghosts. Uh, <laughs> And uh, they come up with this plan um, to conjure up Beetlejuice. Um, they're hesitant in the, the way. And how, how do you conjure up Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah, so there's actually quite a few. I noticed, like, things like you have to knock on the door three times to get right. to open. You have to say Beetlejuice's name three times. Like, there's a lot. There's several of those like in this movie. Three. Several like threes. It's like a special number. Yeah. It feels um, like. So they... They conjure up Beetlejuice by saying it, and they end up in their own model. So they shrink down, and, and you mentioned that earlier. They end up in yeah. their own model of their city. Um, and then this this is, you know, they, they talk with Beetlejuice, and this is how we end up in our next scene, which is one of the most memorable in the movie, which is the uh, dinner scene. Can we first talk about when they um, dig him up? <laughs> sure, yeah. Because it cracked me up um, that the, the grass is like this... It looks like bed foam. Oh, yeah. Painted. Yeah. And then there's like a layer of what looks like some sort of cork board that mm-hmm. it clearly looks like Adam could just chuck the whole thing up, but he starts, he sticks the, um, shovel, shovel in. in anyway. And then you see there's cardboard and there's all these weird materials. Yeah. And there's like a bunch of layers of cardboard. And then what was also funny was when Beetlejuice came out, um, he kissed Barbara and she was like, Gross, disgusting. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> Beetlejuice is gross, but yeah. he's, but he's sort of funny and charming, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'd be like your fun uncle to hang out with, but not someone that you would want to kiss, like like oh like, yeah, like, <laughs> like Uncle Ted. Like he's he, but that's the thing about Beetlejuice is like you know he's he he's very uh, charming in the way that he convinces people like I can help you. I'm he's a good salesman. He's like a used right. car salesman or something. Which kind of reminds me that the commercial you know on the TV where he's on the oh yeah it's like a used car commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he comes up with this plan so they can um, scare the group at their big formal dinner. So they have. Their interior designer, I think it is Otho. Um, yeah. They have some friends over. It's more rich elite people over right. for this really fancy dinner in, in their dining room. And uh, this is the one the one scene I'd say most people remember from this movie, besides the waiting room scene, is when they possess them to start singing, which is yeah. <laughs> so strange because it's like, if I'm going to be, uh, and, and you know, Beetlejuice is a bigger expert than I am, but it's like, if I'm going to scare people, I, I would have gone that the... Um, the Adam and Barbara way where, you know, you take off your face or you hang yourself right. on your head or something. I would not possess them to sing because they had a blast, you know? Oh my gosh. They so did. It's like the, what's this Deo, the banana uh-huh. boat song. They possess them to all start sort of doing a synchronized singing and dance one by one. They sort of get taken over <laughs> and possessed. Yeah. And the, I guess the, to me, the only real scary part is when they sit down and their shrimp become hands, yeah. grab their face and pull them into the plate. Yeah. I thought it was so funny though that Lydia didn't get possessed and she's in the yeah. corner like laughing at them. Yeah, she's like <laughs> That'd be you. Was that before? Yeah, that would be me. Was that before or after though when Adam and Barbara changed their faces? I can't remember. That was before. Okay. And so we have that awesome dinner scene, um, but they aren't scared. Like they rush to the window to look out. Yeah. And they loved it. Which why? Yeah. Why? why I, that's why I never understood that. Why are these people not afraid of ghosts? Like they get excited about it. And well, because I don't think they knew that they were possessed. 
I think they... You think... Well, Lydia had been telling them that it was haunted and that there was these ghosts upstairs, but they didn't believe it. But then when this happens... But there's also a discussion earlier where Otho is like, if your house is haunted, like, this is a big moneymaker. Like, and and these people think about money first, where it's like, if we can monetize this ghost and haunting thing, we're going to be rich now. Great. You know, if this is as bad as it gets, they make us sing. Not too bad compared to, you know, what you think of as ghosts. I guess that's true. Yeah. When you think about like that. But then, you know, it's it's funny because they're like, they're not scared. They look out the window for them to run out. They don't run out. They're disappointed. But then uh, Delia is coming down the stairs and she grabs the rail and it turns to snake scales. Yeah. And we get the snake Beetlejuice, which is, like I said, a little, the, the technology's a little dated now because it's stop motion. So you can sort of see it rickety, you know, but it's it's a definitely like a really cool look. They had that at at the Beetlejuice store in Halloween Horror Nights last year, and uh, you know it's it's a cool idea of this like snake body with a Beetlejuice head. Did that did that freak you out at all, or was it just no. cool? Yeah. <laughs> anything anything in this movie scare you? No, that's good though. I was a little uh, I was a little nervous too. I wasn't sure, but we made sure to watch it the first time. well both times we watched it during the day just in case. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's when Barbara sort of comes in and saves Lydia from uh, the Beetlejuice snake because he corners her and it's like, we didn't want Lydia, you know, to be scared. Lydia knows about this. And, and Beetlejuice, of course, uh, he's not the most trustworthy guy, you know. No, and, and no he's no. definitely not. Um, but Juno berates them, their social worker, for releasing Beetlejuice. She warned them. Um, and then she's upset that they got photographed because, you know, as a ghost, you have a responsibility to not get photographed by the living. It's sort of like in Harry Potter, where it's like, don't do your magic in front of muggles. You know, you don't want to be exposed. So she's like getting mad at them because they did the whole, like you mentioned earlier, the sheet scene where they come dressed up in sheets and Lydia takes pictures of them on her okay. camera. And she's like, no fee. Yeah, that's how she figures out that they're ghosts. Yeah, and she's like, are you gross under there? <laughs> yeah, and she's disappointed to learn that they just look like normal people. Yeah. Did... I was so when they were uh, in the sheets and they were making their ghost noises, trying to wake up um, Delia. She she could hear them, right? Because she could they hear she them could, talking before. I think she could see them. Well, Lydia could, but would. But I, I think Delia could see them because of the sheets, because you can pick up stuff. But I think she was in a. Um, State of probably drunk. Oh, I think she, they, she said something about Valium. Yeah, and Valium, and, and it's sort of like she's so messed up that it's like impossible to scare her. But I couldn't remember if earlier if they had made any noise when they. They had. Like they were walking past Delia and. Um, Otho? Yeah, Otho. They were walking past them and they were talking, but they didn't hear them. Right. So and that's I why I was. The, I think the rules are sort of like there's there's some holes in there. Yeah. You know, it's like they can't see him this time or that time. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. I think I need to stop of, being so critical. Well, no, no, that out it, is, it, is, it is good to question it. But I also think that it's sort of like we're in a Tim Burton movie about ghosts. So, you know, the, the rules are sort of out the window, but you should stick to them. Um, and this is when sort of like this is I don't know how I didn't remember this, but like rewatching it this time, I sort of. Realize that Lydia is like writing a suicide note. Mm-hmm. There's a scene and it's like, yeah. you know, really sad, but, um, you know, it ends up okay. She doesn't end up committing suicide, but, um, this is when Otho ends up using the handbook. He gets a hold of it. They get into the attic, uh, and find the little, you know, the scene, they figure out what's going on and he finds the handbook, which is bad news because yeah, Otho has, very, very bad. well, Otho has alternative motives. He's like, 
you know, he, he's the one that thinks about money all the time. Right. How can we monetize this? So he grabs that book and it's like gold to him. So uh, he uses the handbook to do a seance or a spell to conjure up Barbara and Adam because they won't co- cooperate. Um, and then the, and then it's like their second death. Almost. Right. They're act, they're like dying from the afterlife, which we get a little like a really sad scene actually earlier in the movie when they're with their caseworker and they go down the hall and they open the wrong door. And there's these like souls of the damned in this room. It's like, that's sad. You know, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not a big believer in the afterlife, but it's like there's this room where these people are just stuck in purgatory forever. Yeah. You know, I, I also thought like it was the sad for the dead. I also yeah. thought it was sad when they uh, Adam did their little like burial scene on their model. Did you notice oh, that? Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was really weird. Yeah. Kind of sad, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, they like I said, this movie has a lot of serious topics and touches on a really some serious notes but it's very uh done in a humorous and light way and it's quick yeah which is you know how uh tim burton sort of does things but uh in this scene it's really sad because you know he conjure up barbara and adam and i don't think he was he he didn't quite understand what he was doing he just read this book and okay we do this and we'll we'll get them here but he didn't realize that when by by summoning them like this that he would be putting them through that. Cause that, that's another sad yeah. scene. It was when Barbara comes back and she's like rotting away. Right. And it's scary. Yeah. That's probably like the, I'd say one of the scariest scenes in the movie. Cause she's slowly rotting. And you know, again, they use like the, the green and purple lights and stuff. And it's, it's actually pretty cool. But, uh, it's like, we love these characters. These are right. like yeah. the good guys in the movie, you know, we're rooting for them and we don't like the Othos and Delia's and stuff. They're, they're the bad yeah. guys. So I, I, it's sad to watch her, sort of drying up. Um, but Lydia in a act of desperation goes to Beetlejuice for help. Cause she knows, well, you know, and, right. and she, she summons him up, but he agrees to help her only if she will marry him. Yeah. I, did you have, or are you just saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if I had anything in your notes. Um, so this is like the next sort of crazy scene is Beetlejuice turns into this like carousel with hammers for hands. <laughs> Um, and I realized it looks like Jack Skellington's head on the top of the camera. Yeah, I was gonna. I was. I was hoping you would notice that because that's she, pretty cool. She did notice that today, and I wasn't looking, so we had to rewind and pause it on the right scene. And it, yeah, it did look like Jack. Yeah. In 1988, so that was, you know, uh, eight years before Nightmare Before Christmas. Interesting. So well before. And of course, you guys watched that, like you said, that documentary on Disney. So mm-hmm. yeah. we know that he had drawn these co- these characters out. They were like sketches. And then he came up with a story. So, uh, yeah. you know, and, and Frank and Weenie was like one of his first shorts. I mean, he's he's got these ideas forever. These characters, he does come up with some really cool sketches and ideas. So it's, it's sort of cool just to see a cameo from a character that did not ex- even exist at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that you, you caught that. Um so his hands turn into hammers and it becomes like a game. He- it's kind of fu- that seems kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely like peak Beetlejuice where he can just sort of do what he wants. He turns into the hammers and hits the, the carnival game and shoots them right up through the ceiling. Um, and then we have the wedding scene, which, you know, Beetlejuice is ready to marry her. He conjures up this like little alien guy. Yeah. I don't know where he came from. To, yeah. To, to be. Uh, what would you call that? It's uh, like an like a- alien skeleton guy. Yeah. Uh, very strange. And then um, Barbara and Adam keep trying to save Beetlejuice or save Lydia from Beetlejuice getting married. But, you know, he's he's smart and he has things set up. He like 
zippers her, her mouth. So then, she unzips it. Right. Then he throws like a metal plate over. And I forget what he does to Adam. I think he, he just, takes out his teeth. Oh, yeah. He, he goes to speak and his teeth fall out. Uh, oh, I, I completely forgot the one scene where they uh, I'm go I'm jumping all over the place now. But um, back when they're talking to their uh, social worker and she's like, show us your your scary faces. I liked it when um, Barbara and Adam's when their faces changed and then Adam couldn't get his face back to normal. Yeah. And that's his another, nose flopped around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's another that's another scene that people and you see those costumes a lot, too. Adam and Barbara, when uh, he has like the giant, he's a giant nose and she's yeah. got the big open with the eyeballs inside. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. But um, we have the wedding scene. It looks like Beetlejuice is actually going to get married to Lydia, which we don't know how old Beetlejuice is, but he's clearly too old to be marrying a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Barbara, what does she do? How does she save the day? She, she, um, she runs outside and she gets the sandworm and it eats Beetlejuice. Yeah, so the sandworm comes back. Is like... Earlier, when you're if you're watching this for the first time, you're probably like, "What is the sandworm thing? Is this like a, a level of hell or something?" But right. comes back. She rides actually rides the sandworm in and, and swallows Beetlejuice, yeah. um, saves the day uh, before they can get married. Um, and then Lydia and the Maitlands become friends. And then we have that fun dance scene at the end. I was confused because Lydia was floating, mm-hmm. so I was like, "Is she a ghost now?" And the football players show back up. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just sort of like the, I'm guessing that the the Maitland sort of have the same, not necessarily the same power, but the same abilities as Beetlejuice to just make things be. Oh, I mean, yeah. they, they possess them to dance and stuff, so they could probably get oh, her that's to, true. you know, rise up and dance. But yeah, it's a little, like I said, the rules are sort of all over the place. Um, and then we see that Beetlejuice is stuck in the waiting room. So we get a <laughs> look back yeah. at the waiting room. Um, and he's like when... Like the biggest number. Yeah, possible. yeah, yeah. He's he's gonna be and stuck then, in there like, forever. He looks over and um, the person next to him is four, and he's like, "There's Elvis!" And then he takes the four and gives. Yeah. And then his head shrinks. Yeah. With the magical dust. Yep. So, did you guys have some notes on what you liked or things that you noticed in this movie? Because that sort of uh, reached the end, but we can it still jump back and. It didn't seem that old. No, you, th- you thought it still held up pretty well for yeah. 1988. Well, I think that comes with like Tim Burton's movies in general, because the people aren't wearing clothes that people ever might not even wear ever in life. No. You know what I mean? Like even even in a normal setting, his movies are in a Tim Burton world. And then he takes it to another level and within that. Yeah, I, I loved I loved Lydia. I just thought she was. I liked her fashion, so dramatic. I loved when she's wearing that, you know, like a big hat with a veil down on it. Oh, yeah. And just, she just, uh, such a typical, rebellious, dark teenager. Yeah. Did you have any other notes? No. <laughs> okay. I think, yeah, I think we talked about... Okay, well, we'll take a quick break to hear from the podcast network, and then I'll come back with some trivia. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal 
providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, so uh, I have some trivia I found on IMDb, and I'll just read it off. Did you have something else? No. Okay. I did have one other thing I forgot. Yeah, no. I thought it was kind of weird when they sold the house fully furnished. Yeah, I mean, they they don't have any kids. They don't have any family for that stuff to go to. We do yeah. see the, the one woman who is uh, sort of, I don't know what her character is. Like yeah, it's like a friend, and you but know. then she claims she was family. Yeah, she, she told I Delia think she was family, but like family that they didn't really like. Because then she said that she and she had decorated the entire place. Then so why didn't she want to take some of that stuff? I think I just thought that was I wondered odd. if she really did decorate the whole place, or she was just sort of telling them because she thought it was well decorated. Like I decorated the whole house, uh, <laughs> but you know she ends, she's the one that ends up giving the I think the skeleton key to Lydia, yes. right? so they can get that into opens the attic. any door in the house. And that, that scene is sort of funny when she's trying and they push it back out. Yeah, and then they're like, "I key." Yeah. Um, so some of the trivia I found on IMDb, and like I said, all this stuff um, can be taken with a grain of salt. It's not always the most uh, true. But the studio originally wanted to call the film House Ghosts. As a joke, Tim Burton suggested the name Scared Sheetless and was <laughs> horrified when the studio actually considered using it. Uh, I think that's actually a pretty funny uh, thing, yeah. but you have to call it Beetlejuice. It's Beetlejuice. You know, he's yeah. like the main guy and it's an interesting yeah. title. Um, this is Michael Keaton's favorite film of his own. He ad-libbed 90% of his lines and only appears in 14 and a half minutes of the film. It takes a good while for us to first see Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. and especially in person. It's like 40 minutes in until yes. he actually pops up. But I think that sort of build up to him makes sense because then when you do see him, it's a bigger impact. Where if he was like in the movie all the way throughout, it'd be a little different. I think for me, that's why it seemed to go a little bit slow, just because... Uh, like you said, you don't see him for quite a while. And once he's there, it starts to... Yeah, yeah. It yeah. takes a bit, a to, bit. to ramp up to him. Um, this was actually... The Beetlejuice was the first DVD set out by Netflix in 1998. Oh. So Netflix before... You probably don't even remember this, but Netflix used to do physical... Like you would make a list on their website or their app and they would send you a movie on DVD and then you mailed it back in the mail. I know. <laughs> you could, and you the, you could like add on to it where you could get like two or three DVDs at a time. Yeah, you could share your list with your friends. Yeah, and then you'd get the DVDs in the mail. You'd watch it and then put it put back it, in a mailbox, yep. and your mail carrier would come and get it. That's just weird. Yeah, in 1998, which I didn't realize Netflix existed in 1998. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know. I like it way better now. Oh yeah. Because I don't want to wait in the mail for. Oh, for just one movie? I know, right? Crazy. I'm only going to watch it like once or twice and then send it back. Right. Like, if I'm not going to own it, then why would I even, like, right. get it? Yeah. Like, I don't want to wait in the mail <laughs> that long for just a movie. <laughs> we didn't at that time either for quite a while. We could just go you know to what the we, you know what we had Blockbuster. To do? Yeah, we had to drive to a video store and take it off a shelf. She's been to a video store. Yeah, once. <laughs> <laughs> Family video. Yeah. Um, according to Michael Keaton, the Beetlejuice character was described to him by director Tim Burton as having lived in every time period, but no time period. 
Keaton used this as the jumping off point to create the character with such features as shock hairdo, mold makeup, and large teeth. Um, when Adam and Barbara are in the office, a voice on the PA system announces Flight 409 is arriving at Gate, o- gate 3. United Airlines Flight 409 crashed into a mountain in Wyoming in 1955, killing all passengers and crew aboard. At the time, it was one of the worst plane crashes in history. Hmm. So over that, it's like, you know, there's real life things where a lot of people died being tied into that story. Um, The visual effects budget was just one million dollars. A major factor in Tim Burton's deciding to make the effects look as tacky and B-movie as possible. So he's probably inspired by... Those old, like, uh, Harry, um, I forget, Harry Housen, uh, yeah, Harry Housen movies where, like, you know, they have the skeletons that sort of move stop motion. So, $15 million budget, and oh. they only gave visual yeah. $1 million. $1 million. So, he uh, decided to, yeah, sort of make them look hokey on purpose because it's like, we're not going to do a great job with it, so might as well lean into the hokiness so it's more fun and sort of campy. Um, when Glenn Shaddix, the character, the actor who played Otho, died in real life September 2010, the last song performed at his memorial service was Deo, the Bananas Boat song, which was used <laughs> in the dinner party scene. So the actor who actually played that, that they played that at his funeral. Um, Catherine O'Hara met her future husband, production designer, Bo Welsh, while making this film. Hmm. According to Welsh, Tim Burton said he should ask her out near the end of filming. It didn't even occur to me that I was even supposed to talk to actors, but since Tim told me that I told me to i did and then we dated and were married and here we are today nice so thanks to tim burton for telling him to go talk to her um the movie's box office success created plans for a sequel beetlejuice goes hawaiian a a script was commissioned and michael keaton and winona Ryder both signed on to reprise their roles tim burton lost interest in the project and went to direct batman and batman returns instead i when you were talking about a sequel for it i was trying to figure out what you know, what would a sequel look like? I certainly did not think Hawaii. Well, I no. mean, I think, I think you could do endless, you could do, I mean, it went on to create like a cartoon and stuff and you could do a series because Beetlejuice is going to just keep trying to get summoned by dead people. Yeah. You know, as long as he's the main character, we don't have to follow Adam um, and Barbara. But the title character is named for a bright red star in the constellation of Orion, Beetlejuice. At the dinner scene, Otho states that people who commit suicide end up as civil servants in the afterlife. Yeah. This is actually expanded on in the film. The civil servant ghosts that Adam and Barbara meet are people who appear to have ended their own lives. The receptionist says she committed suicide. Then there's a man who hanged himself. And the crushed messenger is implied to have done it to himself. Juno looks normal, but there are scars on her neck that indicate she cut her own throat. Beetlejuice is said to have been a civil servant in Juno's and Juno's assistant. It was going to be explained in the film that he hanged himself incompetently and very painfully due to heartbreak. While she was cut, while this was cut out of the film for running time purposes, it is hinted when Beetlejuice is surprised at Lydia wishing to die. Hmm. So Beetlejuice is also that way, but he sort of went rogue. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. Tim Burton originally wanted Sammy Davis Jr., a favorite star of his since childhood, to play the role of Beetlejuice, but studio executives didn't like that idea at all. I cannot imagine that. Dustin Hoffman, Robin Williams, Christopher Lloyd, Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray, Robert De Niro, and John Cleese were all considered for the role of Beetlejuice, which I can see a lot of those. I could see a lot. Robin of those, Williams yeah. would be awesome. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd would have been I actually, yeah, Christopher very Lloyd. similar to 
Uh, and it's weird that they ended up with who they did because he's no, he was known. I mean, he did some comedies, but he's not known as necessarily a comedic actor. He's more of a drama, no. dramatic actor. Really good. I could see Jim Carrey. Absolutely. Uh, Bill Murray is a little he, Bill Murray just sort of does Bill Murray in his movie. So I don't know with all that makeup. Um, along with Spaceballs, Big and Caddyshack, it is notable for containing the F word in a film rated PG during the PG-13 era. What, one time maybe? Yep. Yeah, maybe one time. Which is interesting. Yeah, this isn't even PG-13. It's just PG. Um, (laughs) During the sequence where Adam and Barbara enter Juno's office and see her speaking to a recently deceased football team, Mm -hmm. a movie theater full of ghosts can be seen through Juno's office window. Hmm. I did not catch that until this watching. When the film was released in theaters, the scene created the illusion that the living and dead audiences could see each other. So when you're watching on a screen, it looks like you're looking through a window and there's another dead audience watching the same movie from the afterlife. Interesting. Um, among the ghosts in the audience are the red skeleton and green skeleton from Mars Attacks, a woman with red hair and two men in suits and Ray-Ban sunglasses, a.k.a. the Blues Brothers. Hmm, we'll have to go we'll have to check that out. Uh, Juliette Lewis auditioned for the role of Lydia. Lori Loughlin, Diane Lane, and Sarah Jessica Parker, Brooke Shields, Justine Bateman, Molly Ringwald, and Jennifer Connelly all turned down the same role. The casting Julia of Lydia. Lewis, Lewis would have been good at it. I yeah, think. yeah, I think so too. Uh, the casting of Lydia came down to just two actresses, namely Winona Ryder and Alyssa Milano, with the writer ultimately landing the role. She like, nailed it. Yeah, I could see a few of these working out. I could see, uh, like you said, Juliette Lewis. I could even see. In a strange way, Molly Ringwald pulling it off because she's very angsty teen yeah. at the time. Uh, just had to dye her hair. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure they had to dye uh, Winona's hair, too. Uh, Kirstie Alley was the first choice for the role of Barbara, but the producers of Cheers wouldn't let her out of her contract to take the role. Sigourney Weaver, Linda Blair, Goldie Hawn, Laura Dern, and Linda Hamilton were also considered for the role. I think Kirstie would have been good, but I think ultimately they got it right. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, Angelica Houston was originally meant to be Delia, but she was ill and couldn't come in for filming. Hmm. Uh, John Candy, John Goodman, and Bob Haskins were all considered for Otho. I think he's such like a... You have such big name actors all the way through this movie that like a character like Otho, you need sort of a lesser known actor. Mm Because, I mean, John Candy and John Goodman both steal every scene they're in. You know, they're fantastic. And especially 88, like, that's like, well, I guess... Yeah, probably around John Candy's prime, so it'd be almost distracting to have him in there. Um, Alec Baldwin dislikes the film and was very unhappy with his with his performance. So unlike earlier where, you know, it's uh favorite film, this is uh Alec Baldwin's least favorite. So Alec plays Adam. Yeah. Michael Keaton, his favorite movie, Alec Baldwin, one of his least favorite. I think he does great in this. That was probably my favorite Alec Baldwin movie. I think I can't, I thought I can't really think great. of anything else I yeah. like him in. So, uh, and then finally, during during the scene in the graveyard after the Maitlands leave, and Beetlejuice gets mad and kicks a tree. Originally, the tree was not supposed to fall, but on that take, Beetlejuice kicks the tree. It falls down, and he ad libs the line "Nice fucking model, honk honk." To the, <laughs> he was yelling to the set designer who messed up. Uh, Burton loved it so much he left it the blooper in as a line in the movie so that wasn't even in the script it was actually Michael Keaton getting mad that the tree fell over and he's joking with the set designer and it was like oh that's hilarious let's keep it in so that's how they got their one F word I think 
You can still do one F word in a PG-13 movie now, but definitely not a PG movie. I didn't even look at the rating, to be honest, so. <laughs> uh, you've probably seen heard the F word in movies before, though. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, when, Nowhere else, though. When, I was, yeah. In songs. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when Beetlejuice said it, did you tell him he was out of bounds? No. That's only when she says it. Oh, your mom says it? <laughs> when, and when other people does, say it. Does grandma say it? Sometimes, when she's yelling at the dogs. <laughs> oh, so... Especially when she's yelling at Ollie. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that is Beetlejuice. Did you guys have any final thoughts on this movie? Is it something that you think you'd rewatch, like, every Halloween season? Do you like it that much? Or as far as, like, you, you've seen this, you've, see, you've seen a lot of Tim Burton stuff. Is this, is this like, up there with, with the others? you think it's, it's really good, like the others? Yeah. You really liked it that much? That's good. I liked it. What about you? I probably won't watch it. Yeah. Like, I mean, is it not only the slow is it a little too dark for you? Or no, no. It, it's just just the fact that it's a little bit slow. I mean, if Avery's watching it, I'll probably you know be in and out of it. But I didn't like it as much uh, as I like Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I like a lot of the music in Nightmare Before Christmas though. Yeah. This one didn't have. As I didn't big. like it as much as Nightmare Before Christmas, but it's up there with Nightmare Before Christmas. And I like Frank and Weenie and those other movies, but this is, it wasn't my favorite Tim Burton, but I did like the playfulness of it. Like you said, about such a dark topic Mm -hmm. where I can see the dark like parts and understand some of that, but she just kind of sees it as being funny. Oh yeah. Things that a lot of things go right over her head, but she liked it. And I was able to like some of those parts too. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's it has obviously a huge cult classic. It's crazy how it still has it, it maybe bigger following now, you know, and like last year when we went to Horror Nights, they they can't. Well, I guess we just went to Universal because they canceled Horror Nights, but they they opened up two of the houses. But um, not Beetlejuice, but I swear every day we not exaggerating, probably saw a dozen people dressed as Beetlejuice at the theme parks and they didn't even have the house open. Nobody could believe when I told him I hadn't seen it. Um and everybody was really excited for Avery and I to see it. And like you said, I have seen children, little kids, oh, yeah. up to big kids, dressed like this every year. You still see it. It's not unlike Nightmare Before Christmas, where people are still watching so much, you know. Oh, yeah. It- where you could still go to the store and get new merchandise. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could still find random things. Yeah, like that um, sucker thing. With Sally. Right. And you, so, um, there's something to be said for, uh, for the film. I think it's a lot of it is that performance too. I mean, the casting obviously, but it's just like, he is so over the top and fun in that movie. Mm -hmm. Keaton is playing Beetlejuice. He just created this like character as part of pop culture, you know? And it's just, yeah. I mean, of course, back then they put him in like commercials and they put him in, he was everywhere on TV, you know, he, and, Every haunted house in, in the middle of nowhere has a Beetlejuice out front welcoming people. It's funny because I don't think he's scary at all. No. No. No, he's more funny. He's more and like gross. funny yeah. and gross. Yeah. I wouldn't want to kiss him. No. <laughs> I wouldn't either. Yeah, and he, he has like the very typical, like, you know, ghost makeup and, and the moss on his face. But he's, I, I do like, you know, I, I think I saw earlier too, while reading about this one, that um, they put him in like the white and black stripes, but they're, um, they're not horizontal. They're what's the opposite? Vertical. Vertical. 
Um, but it also was supposed to represent that he was like a prisoner in purgatory, like a prisoner. You know, they wear the horizontal lines, um, but, you know, it's still so, sort of a statement, the white and black stripes. Um, and then later he wears the red tux for his wedding. You know, yeah. Very appropriate. But, With the red Lydia wearing her beautiful red dress. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, Beetlejuice will be part of our pop culture, I think, for time to come. I'm surprised they haven't figured out a new adaptation or a remake or something it had you know it had the 90s or the late 80s and early 90s uh cartoon series i don't know how long at last i remember having the toys from it but i don't think i actually watched it mm-hmm. mom probably bought me the toys um and yeah it was it was sort of a weekly saturday morning cartoon animated thing there's beetlejuice cereal there's beetlejuice action figures that i have i mean they just make everything so you know, it's it's still just as relevant today. It's probably going to be on free form almost every other day, with, right after Hocus Pocus <laughs> and uh, everything else. When when uh, October comes around, it's just sort of a staple. And it's interesting again because it's considered like a Halloween movie, but it doesn't. Have There's any, nothing in it that. Yeah, it doesn't take place. Indicates it's, Halloween. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I remember before Christmas where that's you know Halloween and Christmas. This yeah. is definitely it's just a spooky thing that people I think associate with it but yeah um I've always loved the character I think uh he'll stand the test of time because of that performance so I agree thank you guys so much for coming on the show I'm so glad I got you guys to watch it for the first time uh there's a lot of other fun Tim Burton movies that I think uh I'll get you guys to watch I'm sure I know Jessica's seen a few of them but I don't think you've ever seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure nope that's a lot of fun um have you seen Edward Scissorhands no. I think you've seen like a scene, like you've you maybe probably, know who he is. Yeah, you've probably seen him, but not yeah. the movie. But. I haven't decided. Uh, I've thought about it, but there's. I'm not sure that it's. there's some inappropriate parts in it. There is, yeah. But. But, you know, as, as we go, it'd be fun because I think. Time will come. Yeah, I think uh, you'll enjoy a lot of Tim Burton's stuff. His style is very fun. Yeah. This, this is more yeah, very fun, playful Tim Burton. He has some more dark and serious stuff, too. But uh, Beetlejuice is a whole lot of fun. So Yeah. Are you happy you finally saw it? Yes. I guess I shouldn't say you finally saw it. Jessica is the one that's finally saw it. You, yes, I finally young. saw it. You know, you're seeing it probably before any of your uh, classmates or peers. Probably. So. What grade are you in for people who are listening and don't know how old you are? Third. Third grade and how old are you? Eight. Eight years old. Uh, third grade and you're watching Beetlejuice. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do when are you, Halloween's one of your favorite seasons of the yes. year? Yeah. Um, do you have a plan for your costume this year? Yes, I'm being Evie from Descendants. Okay, cool. Were you? Did you do something from Descendants last year? Last year I was from I was Addison from Zombies. Okay, cool. We'll see. You, you like the dark stuff, even even that stuff. But uh, thanks again, guys, for coming on. It's been great talking. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and we'll yeah. have you back some other time, and we'll talk about something soon. So sounds good. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.